Okay, so we've all come here for the same reason. And we've all come here to do the same thing. We're practicing to make our mind calm. And what what will happen a lot of time in the practice when somebody's starting off in the practice, one thing that will come up very, very regularly, somebody you'll start to wonder, you know, what is the mind? What actually is this thing that we consider the mind? And what the mind actually, what the mind is, it really is just an element of knowing. It's this element that understands and, and experiences all the aroms, all the different moods and emotions, feelings, all these kinds of things that come into the mind. Um, you might wonder what it actually is. In reality, it's, the mind is nothing. It's just an element of knowing. It's this element of nature. Uh, you can't you can't decipher its beginnings. Uh, all you can really know what the mind is is what is what is what is it in the present moment. Um, and if you do, if you have sati panya, you you will know what the mind is. You will understand. If you have no sati panya, what the mind, what will happen is you will attach to all these moods and emotions that come up in the mind. The more you attach to these moods and emotions, the more it gives rise to a sense of self. The more liking arises in the mind, the more disliking arises in the mind, and this gives rise to more and more of the five hindrances. And when the five hindrances arise more and more, this this gives rise to more and more moods and emotions within the mind. Basically, this is happening because one's sati and one's sati panya is very weak, uh, and all this leads to is confusion in the mind. When the mind isn't calm, it will it will be dragged along by by experiences of liking and disliking, and this is this is what will keep the mind moving on and keep it in, in this confused state for a very very long time. So we've all come here to this quiet place into the forest, and we've come here to practice to make our mind calm. Uh, at the start, you need to, you need to find a quiet place uh, have, and have peace outside. For example, like the forest here, and what this gives rise to is what we call Gaya we wake. And what the, and what Gaya we wake is 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 uh, the the body in a still position and in a still place to to give rise to calmness in the mind. And what we're doing while we're in Gaya we wake is we're, we're training the mind. We're using different methods to, to train it to make give rise to samadhi we wake. So to do this, the Buddha said we have to develop sati as much as we possibly can. And uh, specifically we have to develop the four foundations of mindfulness, uh, which is the body, feelings, uh, mind and dhamma. This is the whole reason you practice. You practice to, to develop these these four foundations of mindfulness. So what we should start with is 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 practicing and and looking at the body first. And you can start with that. Obviously, the first thing to look at in that is the breath. The breath is a part of the body. We can do things like watching the postures, uh, keeping note of our posture, noting what the the movement of the body is doing. Always having mindfulness whenever the body is moving. And you can also use your body as as a as a as a theme for recollection as well. You can think about the body and the imminent death that will come to it, or the or that the body is inherently inherently unattractive. It is a suba, or it's simply just a, a, a formation of elephant uh, elements. 
when 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 mindfulness is continuous within the body, samadhi will gradually get better and better. Uh, harm will arise just in increments. It will arise bit by bit. And when these moods and emotions, when they and these thoughts, when they start to come in, when your mindfulness is better, your your mindfulness will know will know it quicker and will understand and will see these things arise in the mind quicker. When you do start to know this and your mi- your mindfulness is very solid and your samadhi is very very solid, you'll start to know that these moods and emotions that arise in the mind, they're simply just a convention. There's no inherent self in them. There's no me that is these thoughts. When you start to see this, you'll start to know the truth. And when you're starting to know this, you're, you're moving towards vimuti, you're moving towards liberation. So, to, obviously, to, to get to this point, you have to start off by calming the mind. You do that by watching the breath or recollecting... Uh, a meditation word, say Bhutto Tammo Sanko, or recollecting the qualities of the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. We're doing this to make the mind calm, and what this is called is Samatha Kamatan. After we've developed some, some calm in the mind, then we move on to investigate, investigate the body. From here we can, we can move on to things like hair of the, hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. We can move on, and this is this is the outside of the body, and we should we should try to investigate this as much as we can. Then we can move inside the body. We can see the heart, the kidneys, the lungs, the the stomach, the intestines, all these kinds of different things, all these different unattractive things. We can move even deeper and, and just see the body simply as a combination of elements. When the mind is strong, and after the mind has been calm, and you're investigating, you'll start to see that that these this phenomena that we call the body, you can see it arise and pass away and eventually it'll, it'll totally break away and disintegrate. When the mind is firm like this, the mind will accept that this, the, the body is just a body, it's simply an element of nature. It's just a convention, we call this thing a body, we call it me, but in reality all it is is, is a culmination of elements. And when you see it break away, you understand this convention. We've just called this thing a body. It's just, it, really is, it really is just simply elements. There's, there's no self to be found within this body. And this is when you, when you see this and when you understand this, you'll understand the, the end phrase of the Satipatthana Sutta that they use uh, after, every, after every part of the Satipatthana Sutta where it says, you see the body, the, the, the inside of the body, you see the body from the outside, you see the inside and the outside of the body. Uh, you see this body as just the body, you'll, you'll see this and you'll understand this in your own mind. And when you do see this and understand this, this is the point where you let go of the body. If you see this, if you see the, the Satipatthana like this, this means you're seeing the Dhamma. Or what, what you can also do is you can investigate outside, you know, all these different things that are outside in the world that have no, that have no consciousness there. For example, like rocks, mountains... Uh, buildings, glass, all these different kinds of things. You'll see that these things are, are simply just a, a, a combination of elements. Eventually, they're here for a while, and eventually they'll break. They'll break away. You'll start to see that everything in the world, just that is inside your body, and everything in the world that's outside, is, is simply just impermanent. And when the when the mind sees this, the mind starts to become free from attachment to this. The mind becomes very spacious and free at that point in time.
if you understand this, you understand the truth of the world that, and the, the way the world actually is. It's simply, it's just nature arising and passing. Everything in nature is just is impermanent. Um, when you do start to see this, this is wisdom starting to arise in the mind. So in meditation, we, we need to develop the, 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 four, the four powers. We need to have effort. We need to have this desire to practice. Uh, we need uh, this, this wholesome aspiration of practice for Nibbana. So all of us, we, we should be really, really intent on the practice and, and intent to develop these, develop our meditation. Even if you only have a little time in the day, it, do, it doesn't matter how much time you have. Whatever time you have, practice as much as you possibly can. Get as much in as you possibly can. The more you practice, the more you understand the law of the law of karma, the more you understand the, the, the different realms of existence that are around. For example, there's, you know, for example, the hell realms, the animal realms, the human realms, the deva realms, the brahma realms. You'll start to understand this not through seeing it on the, on the outside, but you'll start to, un- you'll see this by understanding that these states arise in the mind. When the mind, when the mind is happy, this is when the mind moves up to like a, a deva realm, or when the mind is is sad and has a lot of suffering, it moves into a more into a hell realm. If the mind becomes very very still, very focused in samadhi and very calm, this is the mind moving more into into a brahma realm. If you can get the mind to that point, if you sit for one hour, it'll feel like you've just sat for like five minutes or something because the mind is so content and so full at that point in time. But on the other side of that, if the mind is experiencing suffering, it's like, it's like the mind has moved into a hell realm or an animal realm or something like that. You'll understand this, you understand this clearly in yourself because you're, you're able to see the mind more and more clearly. And you'll understand that when we attach this thing, this is what's causing our mind to suffer. Uh, Oh, sorry, you'll, and you'll understand what is actually causing suffering within your mind. And you'll see, you'll see the way that you have to get out of that suffering. You'll see that you need to abandon unwholesome, uh, evil actions. You need to develop wholesome actions. And you also need to develop your meditation. You need to develop your, your kamatan. So, for example, for monks, to, to develop your kamatan, what we need to do is to, to investigate kesaloma nakadanta tajo and keep that and keep that with it, with us at all times and keep investigating it. We can make the mind calm by watching the breath, but then when we go to investigate, we investigate and we start to, uh, start to see these five kamatanas. We investigate these five kamatanas. You have to, you have to keep investigating within the body. Look on the body on the outside. What's it like? What's the, what's the hair like? What's the nails like? What's the piece skin? What are all these things like on the outside? You have to see these things clearly and you have to understand it. Then you have to look inside as well. What's the body like inside? What's it like with the blood and the and the heart and the bones and all these kinds of things inside? And you have to understand that as well. The more you do this, the more peaceful arise in the mind. The more you understand that the body is not beautiful, the more beautiful the mind becomes, the more peace arises within the mind. When you investigate like this, eventually you'll start to see the body as it truly is and you'll start to see that the body you start to see the body breaking away at that point in time. When you truly see this and when you clearly break through with this, this is, this is the mind experiencing temporary liberation. This is what we call the Tanga Vimuti, it's a tempor- uh, temporary liberation. 
when you see this, when you start to really understand this, when you truly see the body break apart like this, this is this this is when the mind truly starts to have faith, um, not just not just in what the Buddha taught, but you have faith in yourself and you have faith in the way of practice. Before, you know, you had to ask the Kubrajans what was you know what was uh, liberation like? What what's all these different kinds of things like? You had many many doubts, but when the mind actually sees this. You know for yourself what this experience is like. There's no more doubt in the mind at that time. At that point in time, seeing the body like that, you are seeing the body just as the body. And what you're doing is you're, you're seeing the, the body that is simply just a convention and you're breaking beyond that convention and you're seeing uh, vimuti, liberation at that point. When you, see, when you see this, when you understand this, when the mind experiences this, the mind starts to really have a power onto itself. It's, it's like it's on uh, automatic at that point in time. The mind will just naturally want to sit meditation a lot, walk meditation a lot. You don't have to force yourself anymore. The mind will just naturally practice as much as it possibly can. Because you've started to understood all the conventions of the world, you've, see, you've started to see through the conventions of the world. You've seen that everything eventually breaks apart, that there's, there's no inherent core to anything in the world. You see eventually that in the end you definitely have to die. You'll, you'll have no more doubts in the mind. You'll see that there's, there's nothing permanent in this life. You'll see that your death is, is something that's for sure and there's nothing in the world that's of any worth at all for you to chase after. The reason, the reason you've seen this is because you've, you've, you've experienced tasted uh, temporary liberation so all the mind will want to do at that point in time is go towards Nibbana as, 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 as much as it possibly can at this point in time jnana has arisen all your doubts just instantly disappear when this, when this knowledge and vision ar- arises but while you're practicing you do have to be careful as well there's the other side of this when the mind does start to become very very calm the mind can be very still very bright very radiant and a lot of pity can arise in the mind uh, and it seems at that point in time whenever uh, moods and emotions come into the mind it seems like that it doesn't impinge on the mind and the mind's very still very very bright very radiant and so you think at this point in time that your the level of your mind is higher than what it actually is you think at this point, you know, well, the body is something that's too coarse for me. I, I don't want to look at the body. I don't want to investigate the body. All I need to do is watch the mind because my mind is so, it catches all the moods and emotions that come into it so quickly. You'll think you don't need the body. You'll think the body is something too coarse. You'll think, you know, because my mind is so refined, I have to just watch the mind. It, the mind might be in this state for many, for a long period of time, maybe many, many months in that state as well. But really you have to be very, very careful. Don't overestimate yourself and don't overestimate your own practice. You really have to listen to what the Kulbarajans are saying, what the teachers are telling you to do. Um, it's very, very easy to, be, to become deluded by the Dharma. We think we have Dharma in our mind and we become, we become deluded by it. So this is, this, in this way it's becoming deluded by Dharma. So if we're lucky and we have some sort of Kulbarajan for the Ajahn, he was very, very lucky. He had Lumpur Cha. could help him and Lumpur Cha could point the way for him. Lumpur Cha told the Ajahn Anand, you know, when the mind's calm like this, investigate the body. Um, eventually the mind, 
at that point in time, when the engine's mind was very, very calm, it, it was very, very calm, very deep. But eventually that samadhi went away again and it came back to just normal and he's lots of suffering in the mind, lots of doubt, all these kinds of things. And it's at this point when you see this, you'll know that the Kulvarajani is right. You know that they're pointing to the right path of practice. So instantly you'll just go back to the body and you'll want to you'll want to investigate the body more, you'll want to follow what the Kulbarajan said to do. And you'll start to see and you'll start to know that this is the right the right path of practice. Because you start to see the body more and more as something that's not self. The more you see this and the more you practice and the more you're moving towards this, eventually all the path the path factors of the Eightfold Path are gonna uh, will gather together. And at that point they'll know the body is simply just either as a suba or as just elements or simply as not self. It'll see the body and it, it will know that it can't find itself anywhere within that body. Anything that we experience as, as, as me or I, it can't find itself anywhere in that. What Lumpur Chah would say this at this point in time for this kind of person that has seen this. Lumpur Chah would say this person, this person who's seen not self has truly seen self. And what that means is, is, is once one can see, sees not self, you understand what self truly is. You want to understand what the self is. For those people that see everything as self, they still can't see not self. Sorry, it's very confusing to explain that. Uh, those persons, those people that those people that are self that see uh, everything as self they don't see not self and they become more and more deluded by self uh, they become more and more deluded by not seeing not self so when you do finally break through and you do finally see not self in it in its purest form this is the point where you see the Dharma this is the point where you see the Buddha and when you see this this is the Sangha will arise within your own mind so to get to this point, this is this is a long way down the tracks. What you really need to do at the start is to develop your morality, develop sila. Whether it's the five precepts, the eight precepts, the ten precepts, the 227 precepts. Sila is your foundation to build to build on that will eventually give rise to samadhi, that will eventually give rise to panya. All these things, samadhi and panya, they arise from having good morality, they arise from having good sila. The more we have, the more circumspect we are with our sila, the more we'll have mindfulness in the mind and the stronger our samadhi will become. You'll see, you'll see for most of us, many people have come from all over the world, you know, we have many different countries here and many of us have maybe learned different things about Buddhism and different things about meditation. But really, all, what all these methods are, what they're all pointing towards is to develop mindfulness within the framework of the body. Once you, once you understand this and once you break through all these conventions of methods and all these kinds of things and you start to keep your mindfulness focused within the body, this is when you start to see that, that these things on the outside are just simply conventions. When the mind becomes calm, it starts to understand this more and more and the more one understands this eventually it gets to the point where you start to experience what's called Pawanamaya Panya, the wisdom that arises from meditation. At that point in time you'll know, you'll understand conventions, you'll understand liberation. At that point you'll understand the truth of our existence, the truth of what nature actually is. At this point you may start to have uh, nimittas arising, uh, mental images arising of the body, maybe uh, a dead body or 
or an asubanimata, something like this. When we experience these things, the mind will have more wisdom to be able to investigate these things because the mind is firmer and it has, it has a firm basis of calm already. The more we see these nimittas and the more calm the mind is, the more, <coughs> the more the mind becomes detached from the body, the, the greater the detail the nimittas become. You see them in, in uh, yeah, more detail. Raga, Tana, all these different, all these different uh, emotions in the mind, they become less and less the more, the more refined the mind becomes. At this point, the mind starts to investigate by itself. There's no need to force it. There's no need to try to think, well, what should I investigate here? What should I investigate? You know, should I investigate this? Should I investigate that? Those thoughts won't come up. The mind will be on automatic and it will start to move naturally towards the things that it knows that it has to investigate. So all of us, we really have to be very, very intent on the practice because Nibbana is something that's true. Nibbana is something that's there. That's there. Nibbana is something that's attainable. Um, you see, once you understand this, once you once you really get this into your mind, you'll you'll see that the Buddha attained nibbana, uh, that the that the Buddha knew not self, that the Buddha understood these things, the Buddha clearly broke through these things, and you'll and you'll know once you do break through to these things, you'll understand what the Buddha understood as well. Even if you've been born at the time of the Buddha and you're very close to him, close enough to hold onto his robe you still wouldn't really see or understand who the Buddha is. But even if you're born now in this present day, if you see the Dharma, you'll truly understand who the Buddha is because you'll see Nibbāna. So to get to this, you have to make the mind calm more and more, investigate death more and more. Um, You can just... Sorry, I'll backtrack a little bit there. Uh... At this point, when you see the Dharma, you'll start to see the Buddha. When the mind is very, very calm, you'll see, you may, you may see a dead body. At that point in time, you just see a corpse lying there, and it's a corpse that doesn't, doesn't have any clothes on or anything like that. But if someone were to put, say, a policeman suit on that corpse, you could understand instantly. You think, oh, well, that's a policeman. Then you'd know instantly, well, this is, no, this is, this is just a convention. It's not really a policeman. You, at that point in time, you'll start to understand not self. Pawanamaya Panya will arise at that point in time and the mind will start to become free from Upadana. You know, little by little the mind will become more radiant the more one has these kinds of experiences. So, so this, this is the goal. So what you need to do is practice. You know, put as much effort into your practice as you possibly can. You know, for example, like last night we did Nesa Chika, staying up all night. Um, you, you'll be able to see just from doing that for one night that the body really is starting to well the body really is going against nature you'll have painful feelings you're, the body will feel very sleepy it'll naturally want to give in um, but to go against these natural tendencies this is, this is a really really good practice you should try to do things like sit for a very very long time fight, fight the Vedana that's there what you can do is you can use the Vedana as a focus for your attention you know, this is something that everyone should try to do and that everyone should at least have a go at. So we can use Vedana as a, as a point for our mindfulness and we can focus on this. Uh, once again, going back to this, uh, the four Satipatthanas, you might think, oh, well, maybe I'd like to investigate the Dhamma Satipatthana. 
really to investigate Dhamma or Sakitatan, this is this is something that's too too refined, this is too detailed. You know, everything is Dharma and so to actually see that your mindfulness and, and wisdom isn't there at that point in time. So you need to do something that's more coarse or something that you can you can identify with more. And obviously that is like the Vedana that arises and also the body. These are a better thing to focus on in the Satipatthana. <coughs> the more you focus on the body and the more you investigate, the more you make the mind calm. When you become experienced with this a lot more, nimittas of the body will start to arise. At that point in time, when you start to clearly see through these nimittas and your wisdom is very, very strong, it will seem like these nimittas and these body parts, they start to explode apart. Greed, hatred and delusion fall away from the mind more and more, the more the more you experience these kinds of things. You'll see you'll see the point where Avidya is, you can start to see that Avidya is getting further and further away, it's breaking off little by little. You might even have the experience where you have a nimitta and the body just explodes to pieces. It might this might happen like three times. The body rises up and explodes to pieces three times and after that the mind becomes very, very calm and and one one has no more doubts about the body anymore. At this point in time, the practices are just automatic. There's no conscious decision to investigate like this, or there's no conscious decision for this to happen. This is just something that happens automatically. Once once this happens, there's no more doubts left in the mind. Uh, there's all one thinks about at that point in time, because once seeing this, is one thinks about moving closer and closer towards nibbana. At this point, you'll start to understand more what the what the pool rule or the one who knows is, because wisdom will start would have arisen in the mind. You understand who this pool rule is, and this pool rule it won't uh, this one who knows it won't attach to anything anymore. It sees everything that arises and doesn't attach to it anymore. At this point in time, the mind is very very radiant, it's very bright, it's very pure. You could you could almost even say it's it's brilliant white. Um, so this is once again this is the goal of the practice and this is something all of us can see within our own mind if we put forth effort in the practice at the start you know you have to have a lot of patience this is patience is the thing that's going to get you through sometimes the mind is calm sometimes the mind's not calm doesn't matter just be patient sometimes it it might seem like you you can't do anything the mind's not calm there's uh, lots of thinking going on all these kinds of things you might sit for a long period of time and it seems like you're not getting out of anything out of the practice. This doesn't matter. What you're doing is you're developing patience at that point in time. So it doesn't matter if you don't think you're actually gaining anything. You are actually gaining something. You're gaining patient endurance. The more you patiently endure, eventually peace, peace and calm will arise in the mind. But it takes a lot of work. But eventually you can, you can make the mind calm. Uh, a lot of times there's, one has a lot of responsibilities and a lot of duties maybe one has to work a lot and all these kinds of things you, you, know, you still can make the mind calm by, by keeping your mindfulness on the job at hand for example when the Ajahn, when the Ajahn was at, at Wapapong when he was a very young monk they, they were building the Obosita Hall and you know, they would work for between like from 5 o'clock in the afternoon to 11 o'clock at night just uh, passing dirt along Edwin was very, very tired, obviously, and they only had one cup of cocoa. Just that was that was all the 
all the all they had to sustain themselves through through that hard physical labor. What he noticed though is the body got very very tired and uh, and at that point in time, the more the body was tired, the less thinking was in the mind. And he noticed that, that mindfulness was gathering more and more in towards the body. <clears throat> and you'll start to see the body just, just moving, going about its movements in its, its natural state. Uh, you'll start to see that this body is not self. You know, and this is something that you can do here as well while you're sweeping, <clears throat> while you're sweeping the grounds. If you have mindfulness firmly established in the body, you'll see that the body is just... Just like the body's going through the motions, if the mindful, if your mindfulness is very strong, you'll be able to separate the mind and the body, and you'll see the body just going about its business, and the mind, but the mind is very, very still. You'll be able to see this if the mind is calm, but if it's not calm, you start to take on all these experiences as self. It's me doing this. It's it's I'm doing these kinds of things. In reality, all it is 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 the body going about its function. But it, when the mind's not calm. It'll attach to all these things. When when sense contact arises, the eye sees form, ear hears a sound, all these different kinds of things. If the mind isn't calm, if the mind isn't calm, it'll attach to all these experiences as as self, and this is me experiencing all this. But if the mind has this peace, when this sense contact arises, you'll start to see that these things are not self. When, when this peace and this calm and this, this clear, clear seeing arises within the mind, you'll start to experience a happiness that's beyond the world. You'll see, any, you'll see that the world, there are some kinds of happiness in the world, there are pleasures in the world, but they're very, very, they're very low, they're very base. But the happiness compared to the calm mind, this is something that's so much higher. And when one finally does see Nibbana, one will, one will understand this is a happiness that's above and beyond any happiness from the world or from, from, a, from just from the calm mind of Samadhi. You know, you'll see that Nibbana is it's the highest happiness. There's nothing in the world that can compare to it. Um, you know, even, even for example, someone who has very, very deep samadhi, um, maybe even a, a being that has been born in a Brahma realm, they have a very long lifespan and nothing but pure, pure happiness. But this, when one, when the mind does eventually experience nibbana, one will see that this happiness is even fleeting. The happiness of a Brahma is fleeting compared to the happiness of nibbana. Because nibbana is, it's, it's the purest kind of happiness. This is a happiness that doesn't change. It can't, it can't be compared to anything in the world. There's no way that you can actually uh, compare it to anything or explain it to anyone. What you need to do is you need to taste this for yourself. And when one does, uh, at the start, one experiences temporary liberation, one experiences tatangawimuti. This is, you are getting a little taste of that. Uh, you've had that and you've had this as an example now and you can see it's like, wow, this, this happiness is, is over and above and beyond everything that's in the world. This is total happiness, and there's nothing, there's nothing in the world that can compare to that. The happiness of the world and the happiness of Dharma is just, it's so far apart. You'll see that there's no better taste in the world than the taste of Dharma. Whenever you, whenever you think back to that, to that experience, think back to that uh, temporary liberation that that you had. Uh, this once again, this brings this brings up a, a very very deep happiness in the mind. You know, you can even you might just grab your hand at that point in time. You realize, oh, the, this hand's just bones covered in skin, and this can bring up <coughs> this can bring up this very very deep happiness. 
Yeah, so when someone has actually tasted Nibbana, they'll know they'll know what this happiness is and they'll always be thinking of it and they'll always be moving closer and closer towards it. So all of us have to try to know this for ourselves. So if all of us, if we have if we have faith and if we put forth effort, event we will get to this point. Um, it's like it's like you know that uh, in the ground there's there's eventually there's if you dig down deep enough there's water in the ground wherever you dig you just have to keep digging it's lit and the practice is the same you, you you should know that if you just keep continually putting forth effort eventually you get to this point that I've been talking about at the start you hear about nibbana if you hear about nibbana and you you maybe you read the books uh, you listen to what the Buddha said you uh, you think about the Arahants, you, you uh, listen to the Kubarajans and, and you believe what they say about Nibbana. Um, and so this gives, you the, this gives you the encouragement to practice for this. This gives you the encouragement to, to go out there and to do it for yourself. So you need to have this encouragement. But one day when you eventually see this is something, this is, this is another level of knowing, knowing of Nibbana. So obviously, you know, back to back to where we are at the moment. You know, a lot of times the practice is very, very hard. At the start, is very, very hard. You know, you have mosquitoes biting you. You have pains in the pains in the legs. All these different kinds that you feel tired. Um, but you can't let these things, dis- these little things, discourage you uh, because you're going for something much, much higher than that. Um, if you just stop with these things, you'll you'll never see the happiness that I'm talking about. So everybody practice to see these happiness that I've been talking about. Ayyamayangamakakaya sadukara